Hey, everyone. It's Vanessa, and I'm here to talk to you about Noom. Noom is a personalized weight loss plan. It's not just one size fits all. It takes into account your dietary restrictions, your medical issues, and any other personal needs. It's like a psychology plan. Just it meets you where you are. And it also recognizes that losing weight is really a mental process. It starts with your motivation and with your brain. Noom's approach is also grounded in science. They've published more than 30 peer-reviewed scientific articles that describe their methods and effectiveness. So stay focused on what's important to you with Noom's psychology and biology-based approach. You can sign up for your trial today at Noom.com. That's N-O-O-M.com. And check out Noom's first-ever cookbook, The Noom Kitchen, for 100 healthy and delicious recipes. It's available to buy now wherever books are sold. Campsite Media. This episode contains strong language. Can I hold this anywhere or I have to hold it down here? Are you serious? Hold it like you hold a dick. I thought you listened to my raw tapes. That's my oldest <laughs> trick in the book. Right to your fucking mouth. <laughs> Are you good at mics? Should I, should I hold your no, mic? No, I know how to hold a mic. Sure? Yes. Hey, everyone. It's Vanessa Grigoriadis, and welcome to Infamous. For the last couple of weeks, we looked at the politics of the most influential newspaper in America. We looked at some of the decisions that the reporters and editors made that helped lead our country into an incredibly destructive war in Iraq, a war that lasted more than 10 years. It was a story full of powerful politicians, secret agents in their tailored suits, gold watches, leather briefcases carrying top-secret information. But as you've probably figured out by now, we like mixing things up on Infamous. And so this week, we've got something a little different. It's almost on the opposite end of the spectrum. It's not exactly war, but you could say it's a different sort of hell altogether. Now, you may have heard about the Insane Clown Posse and the Juggalos because their unofficial title is the most hated band in America. And if you haven't heard about them before, don't worry. I have a friend here who's going to tell you all about the ICP and the Juggalos and their absolutely off-the-rails festival. Oh, me? Yeah. Who I? <laughs> Who me, Zoe Nightingale? Oh, 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 me. Um, well, hi there, Vanessa. So, so good. To, where are my pleasantries? Oh, my God. It's so nice to see you. Oh, my God. What an honor. It's been so long. It's been a while. Um, so, Vanessa. So, Zoe, you and I have known each other a few years. I heard news that you were taking the godfather of my children and going to the Juggalos Fest. Well, the first thing that you should really be thinking about is how come he's your Godfather of your children, I have, I have because because when I all I had to say was jug, and Brendan was in. <laughs> <laughs> there was no convincing. There was it was it was this. It was oh yes, with one eyebrow up. So yes, I took the Godfather of your children to the gathering of the Juggalos 2021, and it was fabulous. Why did you want to go there? I've wanted to go there for a decade. And why is that? I just don't even understand the question. Why wouldn't you want to go there? Because it's like a bunch of people dressed as clowns and you have to like camp and it's like dirty. You go to Burning Man. The music is sort of bad. Burning Man. I mean, true. So these are just poor burners. Right. It's pretty much the same thing. Most of the people told me that 
literally 360 days out of the year, they are just miserable, but they have this to come to. So it's like a pilgrimage. It's like a ritualistic sort of Correct. like New Year's Eve ceremony Correct. of like yeah, yeah. turning the page. Yeah. yeah. And you go there to fill your little heart up with love and then you go back to your shitty fucking actual life and then you wait for the next one to come again. So there's this band in the Insane Clown Posse. You so saying it's the Insane Clown Posse. That's what I said. You're, you're, you're running through it. What am I supposed to say? The Insane Clown Posse. That's exactly what I just said. You did it faster. Okay. So there's this band. Then I'm sorry, Vanessa. Okay. So there's this band, the Insane Clown Posse. Correct. And so what did you know about them before? Nothing. Of like course, nothing? Zero. All I knew is I'd seen like a Vice thing for three minutes like 10 years ago and I was like, this is somewhere I want to be. Anywhere that large amounts of people – follow one kind of thing I'm excited about. But mm-hmm. this in particular seems so outrageous and so outlandish and I love the makeup. I just, I really respected their like, you know, middle finger to society. Like, fuck you guys. This is what we're doing and I don't care what you think. So what's their music like? Their music is is really, the thing that people don't understand is that their, musicals, their music is very farcical. It's a lot of really intense comedy. There's a lot of allusions to violence, um, a lot of allusions to childhood trauma they talk about. A lot of trauma in their in their music. When they were kids, you'd beat them and leave them home, and even whip them with the cord of the telephone. And really letting people in on like the immense amount of pain uh, and trauma and pedophilia and like sexual abuse that happened in their lives, and they're laughing at it. And it's like heavy metal. Or no, no, like no, no, pop, no. It's like it's like. God, I don't even know how to describe it. It's like Halloween rap music. It's got very spooky kind of um, Nightmare Before Christmas kind of vibe. And a lot of like creepy clown laughter, a lot of like chainsaw sounds. It's like you're trapped in a haunted house where people are rapping at you. What it. does the makeup look like? It's insane. It like looks what? it looks like um like the happy and sad theater, Greek theater faces. Uh it's basically black and white oil makeup. It's very it's not the world's uh best makeup for your skin. We'll put it to you that way. It's basically <laughs> like a paste. It's an oil paste. So it's like mime. It's, mi- it's very, very mime. It's black and white and very theatrical. Basically, they look like jack-o'-lanterns. So there's like lots of triangles and lots of crazy jigsaw mouths. So what is a juggalo? <sighs> how, did that, how did that term come about? My definition of juggalo is very simple. It's somebody, it's, it's, it's a person, well, one, who loves the music of the insane clown posse, very important. Two, um, would give you the shirt off their back. Three, uh, might throw up, get right back up, and keep partying. What is a juggalo? He drinks like a fish. And then he starts hugging people like a drunk bitch. Uh, it's really just, it's really anybody. It's anybody that kind of feels forgotten by society and forgotten by their family. And I, I don't want to pigeonhole them like this, but the jugglers are open to everybody. It is really a warm blanket of which to wrap anybody up in who believes that they need they don't have family or community. It's 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 for everyone. And so what's the gathering? The gathering is their uh, once yearly festival where all the juggalos and juggalettes all come together and um, they come together to be with their family. It's basically people tenting outside at the Legends Valley campground in Thornville, Ohio. And um, they come together and they camp out and they share stories and campfires and they share 
you know, they get drunk together, they cry together. And can you tell me what the Gathering of the Jugglers is? It's a fucking family reunion. Everybody's welcome. You do what the fuck you want, and ain't no one gonna judge you. I mean, honestly, you know, everybody thinks, you know, it's all about drugs, all about getting high and getting drunk and everything. Which it is. But honestly, yeah, mostly. But honestly, everybody here is welcoming. You know, and nobody, I mean, everybody looks violent, but I mean, honestly, I mean, ask these people. They're all welcoming. Everybody looks out for each other. Everybody's fucking here for each other. I mean, shit, you don't wear a fucking thong, you wear a fucking thong. I mean, shit. Okay, so you got Brendan. Oh, yeah. He's willing to go. And what happened? How do you guys plan this out? Um, We didn't have a plan at all. Um, We rented a beat-up Ford Explorer, white Ford Explorer, for like 40 bucks a day. I brought exactly 14 suitcases with me. <laughs> Maybe more. I can't tell. <laughs> and the most important thing is we brought Sarah Jane, um, Saturday's panties, oh, with God. us, who is a real professional clown, a real mosher, a real juggalette, a very dedicated and um, incredibly talented seamstress, costumer, clown, performer, whatever. So we brought Sarah Jane. And Sarah Jane basically looked at all of my suitcases and threw everything I brought out. You're not going to like like electronic music festival. We're going to be clown festival. And she had to teach me, literally restyle me. Um, and I learned so many things like socks or gloves. I mean, everything I had brought was wrong. I just looked like a dumb, you know, aging, you know, Jewy raver, you know, right. with too Graver. much sparkles, too, yeah. too much sequins, too much joy, too mm. much blinky lights. And she totally restyled me. And I looked like Chucky gone wrong. I mean, I looked great. No, seriously, I've never looked, I've never felt better, honestly. Really. So you had on like a striped skirt with like. Oh, I was full. Cl- I looked like Raggedy Ann, but possessed by the devil. She had these really scary nipple pasties that really were terrifying. I mean, I I looked in the mirror and I literally didn't even know who I was. What's a scary nipple pasty? It's just like fucking, it's got like bondage shit on it and it's like fucking spiky. And it's just like, stay the fuck away from my tits. <laughs> so you guys are in the Ford. Explore or whatever it is. Right, we and drove like we drove like three hours, and then we go to Kmart and we buy a tent and like a sleeping pad, and mm-hmm. so and then we get like I think like a couple jugs of Gatorade and like a couple granola bars, and um and we go to the festival. All right, so we uh <clears throat> we're here live from the where are we the what gathering of what Juggalos. What year is it? It's twenty twenty one. What day is it? That's a good fucking question. What hour is it? <laughs> That's even even better question. Who am I? That I don't even know. Who are you? Blake. That's, what up, Blake? I remember that. What, what does it look like? It looks like a giant figure. It looks like any other festival except that people are head to toe covered in crazy tattoos or they've got gauges in their ears or nose or lips or like it looks like you've wandered into a haunted house tattoo parlor from the 90s where everyone has done too much math mm. um, and decided to get face tattoos and ear gauges like the size of like, you know, dilated cervix. Anyway, just the moment you walk in there, you just everybody's drinking Fago right away. Fago is everywhere. What's that? So Fago is a Detroit soda company that makes Lisa Frank on acid colored sodas. After you drink the stuff, your pee is like literally neon yellow. One million percent sugar. Very inexpensive soda that the Jugglos embraced because when they were growing up in Detroit, it was like the only thing that they could afford at their deli or something. And they spray it. like the greatest, the greatest joy you can have as a as a Juggalo is to be on stage with the Jugglos and they spray you with a Fago hose. You want to talk about immersive? I mean, this word that is overly used. This was 
so unbelievably immersive from the moment you walk in there. People are psychopaths. The fireworks are like right in the crowd. Oh yeah, that's fucking awesome. Whoa, fuck! fuck. Jesus fucking Christ! It's okay. Why? Why? That was not a firework. It's okay. It's just firework. Why did? It's okay. The early 2000s was a breeding ground for bad reality competition series. From shows like Kid Nation, CBS's weird Lord of the Flies-style social experiment that took 40 kids to live by themselves in a ghost town. To The Swan, where women spent months undergoing a physical transformation and then were made to compete in a beauty pageant. On each episode of Wondery's podcast, The Big Flop, comedians join host Misha Brown to chronicle one of the biggest pop culture fails of all time and try to answer the age-old question, who thought this was a good idea? Recently, The Big Flop looked at The Swan, a competition show between women who were hoping to transform their physical appearance. The problem? The women were isolated for weeks, berated, operated on, and then were ranked by a panel of judges. It all led to trauma for the contestants and terrible reviews. Follow The Big Flop on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen early and ad-free by joining Wondery Plus. This is Chilling Tales for Dark Nights. Good evening, listener. I'm Steve Taylor, your host to a horror anthology podcast where we ask you to depart from your safe perception of reality to descend with us into the frightening depths and dark corners of twisted imaginations. With carefully curated original tales of terror each week, our deepest rooted fears are brought to the forefront by a diverse cast of voice talent and masterfully eerie sound design that bring these stories to life. We'll give you tales of unnerving encounters with the occult, harrowing hauntings, and sinister seances that show just how darkness knows no bounds. Make sure to check out Chilling Tales for Dark Nights on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. You're listening to Infamous from Campside Media. Guys, it's my first time. What do you think about that? Do you have any tips for us? I do. Okay, tell me some tips. Best four days of your life. Make sure you fucking kill it. Damn. Never pick money up off the ground because it is covered in shit. Why? Because it's a poop dollar. Someone going to wipe their ass with it and sit on the side and watch you come pick up a shit dollar. Why would they do that? They're juggalos. Why wouldn't they do that? Any other tips? Um, if they tell you a drink is electric, it's going to have LSD in it. So watch for electric fago. Electric fago. Show everyone your butthole, drink a lot of water, um, and just be confident. The way the jugglers greet each other is show me your butthole. Not like just show you like a bent over butt. They will open up their cheeks and show you their inner eye. Try and so then you walk outside of the tent and then all these people are showing their buttholes. So like no, what the hell is that? that? No, no, hold on a second. People are showing you their butthole from the moment you walk in the door. <laughs> I don't understand. What do you want me to do? Uh, show me your butthole. Show me my, show you no, my butthole. Show me your butthole. Okay. And what happens if I do that? Uh, nothing. Nothing. I just, Nothing. I just see a That's it? Yeah. 
So we got to backtrack to the beginning of the festival. And this is something that I was not prepared for because I had done a lot of research before I went there, but no one said anything to me about large amounts of grown men showing me their non uh, hygiened buttholes. What? It's a festival, girl. (laughs) (laughs) And it was honestly, I've only seen, how many buttholes have I seen in my life? Like, Six? I don't know. Like, actually, like, looked right. into, stared the devil in the eye. But, wait, there. so you were in shock the first yes, time? And, shock. and Brendan and none of you no knew one, this. No one knew that this was going to happen. And it took Brendan exactly one day to start showing people his butthole. <laughs> anyway, so you walk in the festival and right away people will start saying, will start saying to you, show me your butthole. Well, what are you be. supposed to do when they're doing this? Do be like your, your butthole looks, looks your... nice. That's a very nice asshole. What is a perfect asshole? Come on, you can do gay porn with that asshole. I do. You do gay porn? Yes. It, it's not even about that. They just so it's them asking you to show them your butthole as as a fidelity thing, as like a pledge of allegiance to the community of jugglers. Like I'm here and I'm ready to party and I'm part of your crew. Here's my butthole. We all have a butthole. It's not even sexual. I'm telling you. It's just like shaking hands. It's exactly. It is the way they greet each other. And it's how it's how they know that you're in the know and that, that you're not ashamed to be a juggalo. Because jugglos, until you are in, you're not in. You you kind of have to like prove your fidelity and show them that you're there and you're serious and that you are not making fun of them. It's like, we all have buttholes. Why is it this big deal? And I really liked that about them. They're there with their family. They're safe. They're going to show their buttholes. They're going to do weird shit. They're going to cry and mm-hmm. hug different people about their sexual trauma. And they're going to talk about their successes over the year. And they're going to be with their family and fuck you in general. Get in or get out. They start offering you stuff. Do you want, you know, a cold fago? What <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shit you want, though. That's okay because it's the vibe, right? Yeah. So, like, some people were mean to me. Other people accused me of being a big media journalist, like, right away because I had my microphones and, like, a small setup for a camera, like a iPhone mount with a stabilizer. They're like, you from CNN? I'm like, mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> from CNN. And like, you got it. Uh, and I'm like, <laughs> anyway, so I started going to activities um, one of which, you know, was uh, the the lecture series with um, with Chris Hansen. Right. I'm Chris Hansen with Dateline NBC, and we're doing a story on guys, oh. men trying to meet <laughs> teens on the internet. So that was like day one. Was this giant meetup of all of these pe- these people who've been sexually abused and who are rabidly rabidly going crazy for Chris Hansen because he catches pedophiles. Okay, so so set the scene. So you walk into like what? A tent? Like a big white tent? Right. So let's say it's 2 p.m. It's 1,000 degrees Fahrenheit. (laughs) Everyone's clown makeup is dripping off their face because it's oil-based. It's a a tent full of hay barrels. So everyone's sitting on like big haystacks. Uh, Chris Hansen comes in. He is dressed to the nines. Like, like, Full crisp striped, like you know, like Brooks Brothers T-shirt, pressed denim, like like literally Todd Moccasins, no socks, looking great. So Chris starts talking. All right, guys, are you on the main stage tonight? What's he talking about? He's he, just talking about we need to get the molesters. Uh, I mean, he's talking about uh, the show, how the show started, about the why he's a juggalo, the support of the juggalos, how wonderful it's been to have. You know, this community back up the show and all the letters that he receives and how much he really feels for this community and how happy he is that he can contribute, you know, taking one pedophile off the street. And people are starting to go crazy, like, kill the pedophile. Like, my dad raped me. Like, just crazy. Just started yelling, you know. It's mostly guys saying all stuff. Guys. Oh, wow. It's okay. all. The, the festival is 
I don't, again, I don't want to quote, 70% men. It was a very intense atmosphere and Chris handled it like a fucking pro. And people started sharing stories about them being molested and how amazing it was, how this show has really positively affected their life, that someone cares, that this Mm -hmm. is happening to children. But it was kind of beautiful. I mean, it's like, it's energy that you can't make up and you can feel the collective fucking pain, man. Like, it's not a joke. you, You can really feel how hurt people have been by by sexual trauma and mm-hmm. it's big guys and it's big guys talking about sexual trauma and I've never been in this I've never really mm-hmm. been in a situation where I've seen so much openness and honesty around about male rape in my life I mostly yeah. I've been involved in a lot of women talking right. about their trauma and this is a place where I thought it was really cool that guys had a safe space to talk about it I mean I witnessed so many different versions of like group therapy mostly through laughter and just sort of storytelling and people you know, crying, hugging a lot of a lot of really positive male relationships. Guys like like really holding each other, cry, like really sharing like deep felt emotions with each, with one another in a way that I thought was incredibly beautiful. And then there's a lot of really crazy shit. What is the weirdest thing you've ever seen? Oh my goodness gracious! Start from the beginning. Depends that, on your definition of weird. That's true. What is whatever yours is? Well, I've seen a man covered in peanut butter. Okay. Wandering around, asking for where his jelly was. <laughs> I have seen a sculpture of a turtle made out of poo from a porta john. That is the grossest thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it was awesome. What did you just say to me? Stapling their nutsacks to girls' tongues. Stapling their nutsacks to girls' tongues. Who was doing that? What do you mean? There's a bunch of them what are you talking about? What is wrong with these people? Confirm or deny that you saw couples staple one nutsack to one tongue. Yes, they did. How many did that? I don't know, but they did. Okay, and did the people like, were they in excruciating pain? Yes, they were hurting bad. Hey, it's pain. And I'm here to tell you that we're back with a brand new season of Up and Vanished, called Up and Vanished in the Midnight Sun. In this newest season of Up and Vanished, I'm investigating an unsolved missing persons case in Nome, Alaska, on the edge of the Arctic Circle. Florence Okpialik, an Alaska native, was last seen on August 31st, 2020. And I've spent the last year in Alaska trying to find out what happened to her, putting myself in the most dangerous positions I've ever been in. You don't want to miss this brand new season of Up and Vanished. It is by far the most intense investigation I've ever been a part of. From Tenderfoot TV, Up and Vanished in the Midnight Sun is available right now. Listen for free on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it a real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com system. This is Infamous from Campside Media. Tell me a little bit about where you grew up, where you come from. So I'm from uh, Iowa. Perry is where I live currently, and it's like fucking tweaker fucking city, bro. What it's does that mean? meth. There's so much meth, it's insane. Yeah. I grew up around it. 
my dad's a tweaker. <laughs> the first time I did any drug or anything, I did it with my dad. I mean, How old were you? I was going into eighth grade. Are you kidding me? <laughs> no. <laughs> when you grow up with a dad who does math, do you think it's normal that he does that? Well, did I thought like that's baby? what it is. Like all his friends, everyone I was around, that's what we did. Like pills, meth, drinking, smoke weed. When did you realize that maybe this was not a normal father-son relationship? When I got out of prison. I'm <laughs> <laughs> not funny. I'm sorry. No, dude. It's your timing. I was homeless and uh, just kind of going to whoever's fucking house I could to do whatever drug I could, you know. Sorry, what age was this? This was 18 and 19. My mom tried to kill herself when I was seven in front of me and my sister. And she lost custody of me and I went to go with my dad. Did she ever say I'm sorry for doing that? No. We lived in this, like, it was like a cult, bro. This weird Christian house that... You were living in a Christian cult? Yeah, okay, so it was like a house full... And they wouldn't, like, let you go to town and shit. Like, it was fucking weird. So, the Christian cult, made, did they make you wear weird clothes? Did you, like, learn? No, but we... They fucking threw away all my shit that was, like, not religious or Christian. And, like, all the CDs and shit. The worst movie they had, and I would just... Harry and the Hendersons, have you ever seen it? The Bigfoot thing? Yes. And there's okay. one part in the movie where the kid says, like, God damn... And I used to rewind, play, rewind, play, just to fucking watch it and just laugh. Because it was like, I don't know, it was so forbidden. <laughs> if people are going through hard times, which many are, could you share any words of wisdom to how to get through some hard shit? Yeah. Do meth. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just fucking around. That was actually, that, that might be fair. That might be a cut. They are storytellers and they've been through so much that it's almost it's it's a honor to sit with people who are survivors of this level. I couldn't imagine being able to survive the kind of hardship that these that that this community has gone through in terms of everything and the sexual abuse that the lack the lack of upward mobility is is actually if you think about the American dream and what we're all supposed to have access to. I'm talking about just this idea this is all races, all people, all, you know, there's like gender, there's all different kinds of genders, there's all different kinds of political backgrounds. A lot of these people come from so, so much hardship and they have found so much love in this community and, and they would really, they really will give you the shirt off their back and they have nothing. This is the only place I can be safe and be here, so. Where, like, so you can't be safe at home? Um, I'm safe at home, but I feel like whenever I go out in public, like as a big girl, it's hard for me. To and like, here you know, you are fucking celebrated. Yeah, out here, like nobody judges me or talks about me. So this is the only place I feel safe to dress how I want to be. It's people who are looking for community. It's a lot of people who've fallen through the cracks of uh, the support ne- networks and systems that were supposed to educate them, take care of their health, take care of their mental health, take care of their family's mental health. A lot of people who've been incarcerated because the towns they come from no longer have any viable work. But, you know, mm-hmm. it's it's just the forgotten American poor. Here's the thing. You got nobody to call family? Whoop with me, my man. You're my brother. You're my fam. That's what this shit is all about. It is about just accepting everybody and no matter how weird or how different they are, you keep being your fucking weird ass self and I'm going to just keep it fresh over here and you got a home, dude, with me. Judgment-free zone. And that's, that's what this is literally all about. It's just weirdos and rejects all together under one roof making this amazing amazing thing it's awesome I, I it is it's truly awesome so what was your big takeaway what 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 did you get from this i i don't know i just 
I just incredible gratitude, and I was just kind of really blown away. Um, people could survive. The reason really that I wanted to go is because I always like proving people wrong about a, a, a culture and a group that everyone thinks is so scary, and they're like, you know, they're like it's either it's either like sex communities or like weird. It's it's never people are never scary. They're always just looking for love and acceptance. And I wanted to go to the Juggle Festival to prove people wrong. And to show them that this was another just community of people trying to figure out how to live life and to get through the day. Um, and I think I did that. A lot of us juggalos, especially around my age, we grew up with this shit. We grew up with the lyricism, the acceptance. And uh, a lot of us came from broken situations. Some of us not, but we all relate to one thing and it was the unity and the acceptance that came out of the juggalo world that was created by Insane Clown Posse. It's all about the music and unity and togetherness and fucking just bugging out. Everything's wild. Everything's just random. And it's honestly all walks of life. Nobody is excluded. I had a real revelation there. I've always been a clown. And I've always wanted people to see the absurdity of life and the light side of life. And I've always looked at pain and, and hardness and smiled. And I can't, I can't really describe it, but it was like a religious experience. I do feel like this is a new part of my family. And I, I love them. I love it. And I will go again and probably again after that. All right. Thanks for listening to Infamous this week. Zoe Nightingale is a comedian and a podcaster. You can find more of her work at zoenightingale.com. So next week, we're going to take another swerve and tell you a story that's set in the world of high fashion. It's about what happens when two people in the business of selling dreams fall in love, out of love, and then wage a war. Infamous is a production of Campside Media and Sony Music Entertainment. It's created, executive produced, and hosted by Gabriel Sherman and me, Vanessa Gregoriadis. Shoshish Molovitz is our managing producer and editor. Rajiv Gola is our senior producer and editor. And Lily Houston-Smith is our associate producer. This episode was sound designed by David Devereaux and recorded by Ewan Lai Tremuen. See you next week. <laughs>